need the Holy Spirit. Amen. Praise the Lord. You know it doesn't matter if there's two or three, if they're gathered together in his name. The breath of God is there breathing upon us, and I thank you for that. I want to thank the church for their faithfulness. You know, uh, a lot of churches are having financial difficulty, and I just, I am so grateful that God is taking care of us, and we're, we're doing okay, and I want to thank you for your faithfulness in coming and in giving. I, I thank them for this beautiful um decorations that they have put up the blood of jesus is so powerful and i love it to to cover us how many know we need the blood of jesus and i want to thank beverly she's been so faithful to help us with decorating things in the trees and i i i just love it that people are concerned and care about the sanctuary of god and i just want to i just want to give that thankful testimony today of how much it blesses me and I know that somebody said when they came in and saw it that this took their breath away and uh, Phyllis is constantly telling me that when counselees used to come they would sense the presence of the Lord here and that's the most important thing to me of all not the number that we have but that the presence of the Lord dwells with us so today this is we're still talking about the joyful sounds And I don't know about you, but every single day this week, the enemy has harassed me to lose my joy. And and I would say to myself, no, this is the season of joy. And, uh, you know, and then we, we have difficulties. I mean, it's a hustling, bustling season. And I don't know, it's the season of joy. And we need to meditate upon him that we have that joy and that we share that joy with others. I was just in my office this morning fussing when Wendy came in. And uh, so I I said, whoop, that's not good. But, you know, in our flesh, we're just so weak. At least I am. And I know that God does love us and he does breathe upon us and he does draw us unto himself and We have those hard moments, but we also have those tender moments that God speaks to us. So today, I want to talk first of all to myself, and then I hope that you will listen. And I want to talk about a holy invitation. You know, the stage is set, and I can't tell you anything new because this is the 35th or 6th year that we have talked about this third Sunday in Advent, the joy of the Lord. The joyful sound is that the baby is due. Jesus is due. The glory of heaven is about to be birthed. And so there's great joy. And I trust that the Lord would just touch our hearts today, minister to every one of you this joy that fulfills the heart of our Father God. The stage is set, the baby's due, and Mary and Joseph have been uh, called to Bethlehem to be taxed. And Don and I was trying to figure out how many miles did she have to go. And so it's between 50 and 90. So, so the d- different people reported different things, but for sure the Bible says they went up. So it was an uphill incline all the way. 
Now, you know, the pictures show us that she was riding a donkey. I think she probably was. But no matter whether she was walking or riding, the Bible says she was great with child. So uh, us ladies understand that. And uh, to be great with child and to have to walk or ride a donkey for 15 or 60 miles, it would not be a happy occasion. So the joyful sound had to be in her spirit for her to be able to do that. But remember that when the angel told her this was going to happen, she says, my soul does magnify the Lord. And she rejoiced, not knowing what was ahead for her, but willing to receive the invitation from God to bear his son. So this is where we are today. They're journeying to Bethlehem. It's uphill, and Mary and Joseph are on their way. We see Jesus, and I've ministered this many times. We see him in everything about his birth. There's, you know, we've heard of the types and the shadows in the Old Testament, and this is the New Testament, and we're going to see the types and shadows of Christ's birth, and everything around him shows who he is in psalm fifty-five twenty-two, it says cast thy burden upon the lord and he shall sustain thee i could probably just stop there and that's the greatest message of all that if we cast our burden on the lord he will sustain us he will never suffer the righteous to be moved now we have trials and tribulations you know there's shakings and movements but we are never going to be moved from our eternal destination as our hope is in Christ. So I said this, to cast thy burden upon the Lord, because if Mary is riding the beast, the donkey, you know, the donkey is a picture of burden bearer. And so we see Christ as the burden bearer. He is the one that we cast our burdens upon. Sometimes we cast him upon our friends we cast him upon our mates. We cast him upon all sorts of things. But he is the one that we are to cast our burdens upon. So they arrive at Bethlehem. The birth takes place and Jesus is laid in a manger. I don't need to tell you this. I know you know this. But it was with great purpose that he was laid in a manger. He was not laid there just because. But he was laid there because there was great purpose when they laid this baby in the manger. The word of God says in Psalm 34, 8, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. You know, uh, church, we, we need to understand this is the feeding place, the place where the animals ate their feed in the manger scene. So the, man, the manger is quickly brushed aside and whatever cloths, that Mary had the baby is wrapped, laid in the manger. This is the king of glory. And it is a joyful moment. Now, Mary received this invitation, and she responded to it. Joseph received this invitation, and he responded to it. And now we see that the hosts of heaven have received the, the invitation to go and to declare the glory of the birth of the Son of God. That's pretty awesome. And um, I, I, I wanted to uh, look at the scriptures because there's a scripture that says, and I, I couldn't find it offhand, but 
it's here somewhere in my notes, but there's a scripture that said the angels, they saw salvation taking place. They saw all that. They saw the birth, and they were commissioned and invited to go and proclaim, you know, today born in the city of David is the son of God. They, they were commissioned and, and had this visitation to come. But the Bible says they looked upon it and wondered what it was because they did not comprehend the salvation that humanity was going to have. Only humanity can comprehend the power of the birth of Christ and the salvation that comes with it. So the first thing that we see is that the angels are commissioned. They have given an invitation. I don't think any angel said, God, I'm too tired. You know, or God, I have a headache. I think when God said, would you go and declare the birth of my son? They rose to the occasion and they came and they sang glory to God in the highest. That's where we are, church. That's why we have the joy of the Lord. You know, the enemy would harass us, but I tell you, he cannot take away the joy of the Lord. He can take away everything physical around us and our health, all those things, but he cannot take away the one who lives in us god is with us emmanuel is in us so the shepherds come everyone knows that we sang the the song today i love it glorious in excelsis i love that i love it because it's extended out the glory of the lord is not just glory but it's just full of power and anointing so the angels was given the invitation to go and we see that they begin to sing. Now, they brought the invitation to the shepherds of all the people, of all the merchants, of all the business people, of all the people that was in the city of David they could have brought this message to. They brought it to the shepherds. Why? Mark six thirty four. Jesus saw the multitudes... Now we're, you know, when he was walking in the earth, he saw the multitudes because they were sheep not having a shepherd. And so the message was sent to the shepherds that the sheep might hear his voice. And I am grieved today because there is many, many voices in our pulpit system today, but they have forgot that they are to be the shepherd of the flock. They are to emanate Christ to do what Christ did, and, and to, to take care of the flock of God. And so this passage of Scripture says that Jesus had compassion on his flock, and he knew that they needed a shepherd. And this is why the shepherds was given the message, because the heart of Christ, you know, Christ was in the beginning with God. And so the, the burden upon Christ's heart was that the people would have a shepherd to convey the message of his father. John 10, 11, the scripture says in Jesus' own words, he says, I am the good shepherd, the good shepherd that giveth his life for his sheep. I'm going to know this church, we're his sheep. And he cares about us today. He says, I'm the good shepherd and I know my sheep and I'm known of them. He knows us. And I want to ask the church today, is he truly known of us? Is he truly known that not only is he our shepherd, but he is our king, and he is the mighty God, the everlasting Father, and he has prepared 
eternal life for us. We need to have the joy of the Lord, and that will give us the joy of the Lord to know that. The verse 15, he says, As the Father knoweth me, even so I know the Father. And listen, church, he says, I lay down my life for the sheep. You know, we can love one another, and we can have great, great relationships that it's, I've never really heard of someone laying down their life for another, except maybe in the military where they go to war for us and they de- lay down their life for the freedom that we have. But this is what Jesus said. He said, I lay down my life for the sheep. He came for the sheep. Sometimes we think about always that he came for the sinner, and yes, he did. But truly, his, his mission was to lay down his life or the sheep, to cause the kingdom of God to be enhanced. In Hebrews 13:20, it says, Now the God of peace that brought again the Lord Jesus, the great shepherd. So he's a good shepherd. He's a great shepherd. And he, does, he came to do the will of the Father. And this is what I want you to see in this verse 21, to make you perfect in every good work, to do his will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ. To him be glory forever and ever. When he works in us, when we do things that are pleasing in his sight, then there is glory given to the Father. And that is the goal of Jesus to glorify the Father. Remember that awesome moment in, in uh, John one twenty nine when John the Baptist, who was the cousin of Jesus, When he saw Jesus coming, what did he say? Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. How awesome was that? The scripture says that he was slain from the foundation of the world. From the foundation of the world, Christ had knowledge that he would be the good shepherd, that he would be slain for us. And, you know, he hung on the cross They did not comprehend the people that taught about him, the Messiah, did not comprehend comprehend him. They mocked him, they scoffed him, and they drove the nails in his hands. So it's a holy invitation, church, to come to salvation. When we come to salvation, it's an invitation to eternal life. And it's an invitation to be made perfect and well-pleasing in the sight of God. So we we need to remember that. So there's a holy invitation given to the angels to proclaim the Christ. You know, Peter writes about it. And he says, those who preach the gospel with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven, which the angels shared to look in. There's my scripture. With the angels shared to look in. I mean, can you even comprehend the glory that is in our salvation that the angels cannot understand. There's a holy invitation sent forth from Father God to Mary and to Joseph. The Virgin Mary would birth Emmanuel, God in us. Joseph would receive the holy invitation from an angel in a dream. How many ever had a dream? What if you had a dream that said, do such and such? I'm, I'm sure that you would rise up in the morning and say, oh, I must have ate pizza or something. You know, and you would, I mean, it had to be an explosive dream 
to tell him this is okay. This, what is born of her, is God. And how could he even wrap his head around that? How could he wrap his head around that God had chosen him to be the father, to to be the earthly father, and to watch over and protect and take care of this baby? You know, God asks us to do things, church, and we can't, if God speaks to us in a service and says, give an exhortation, we can't hardly wrap our head around that enough to do it. And yet, look at the dreams that Joseph was given and he responded to. Look at the message to Mary that she responded to. Look at the angels. They don't know what they're shouting about, but they're shouting with all the gust of uh, of power that they have and declaring that in the city of David is a Savior born. They understood the words. They didn't understand what we have today, that Emmanuel lives in us. Isn't it awesome? The angel gave the invitation to Joseph. And he says, Thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. Joseph responded to the angel, the invitation, took Mary to be his wife. As we speak of a holy invitation this morning, we hear the angel once more as he addresses the shepherds. And he says, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy. A Savior is born. I want to say that to the church today. Behold, he brings us good tidings of great joy. He's not just the baby. He's the soon coming king who is coming in glory for us. And the whole atmosphere was filled with the angel song. You know, as they sang, glory to God in the highest, peace on earth. The only peace on earth is the peace that dwells in us because Emmanuel dwells in us. We only have the peace of Christ. We don't have peace in this world, but we can have peace in Christ. In the midst of that night sky, those shepherds had an invitation. Can you even imagine they're, they're sunk down for the night. They're watching their sheep. And all of a sudden, the, the sky, the atmosphere is illuminated. And they saw a host of angels. If I saw one angel, I'd faint. And there's a host of angels. They saw it with their, with their fleshly naked eye. They saw the host of angels. And, you know, there was not a doubt in their heart. As soon as the chorus was over, as soon as the invitation was coming, they said one to another, let us go into Bethlehem and let us see this thing which has come to pass. And the Bible says they made haste. There needs to be haste in the church of Jesus Christ today. There needs to be haste to do the will of the Father, haste to, to be obedient to what he wants to do. Somebody said, well, I don't know what he wants to do. Well, you have to stop and listen. You know, you have to stop and meditate and be quiet sometimes before him and hear the voice of the Lord. Sometimes you're on your way to work and God says, go that way. You know, we don't even hear those things. And maybe we we went that way because it was in our mind, but maybe God protected us from something because his voice spoke to us. We didn't recognize it at his voice, but he's speaking 
And the church don't recognize the voice today at large like it should because he is speaking in the signs. The government is upon his shoulder. He is speaking to us. I don't know what the message is. I don't know what the outcome is. But I know that he is with us. He lives in us. He says, fear not, because he brings us good tidings of great joy, which is eternal life and salvation everlasting with him. That's what we have. That's the message of good news. Well, they believed, they responded. I wonder today if a host of angels would fill the sky, if Christianity would respond with the same great gusto. I think they would probably say, well, I saw something up there. It it moved around. It looked like an angel. And they would doubt. How many know that sometimes the Lord maybe has spoke to you and you've, you've doubted? You see, there cannot be no doubt in us today. We have to be able to respond to his voice. You know, I didn't even have to hear his voice loud and clear when Wendy walked in this morning. I said, oh, Jesus, forgive me. (laughs) I, I, I knew his voice was there. You know, does the church understand what I'm saying? That he will speak to us, but we have to be subject to him. We have to desire him. We have to want to hear his voice because I tell you something, the enemy has harassed the children of God so much that we don't listen. And God is speaking today with a clear voice of joy. Even though everything around us looks bleak, even though we're worried about this and we're concerned about that, the joy of the Lord is our strength. And it's what we need for this day. So the shepherds said one to another, let us go and see what this is all about. And they made haste to do that. This is not a new thing, church. You know it. You've heard it. But somehow... I wish that the Lord would just inspire us afresh, that we would be inspired in this season to to be a carrier of this delightful message that there is peace on earth in us. And when our family comes and we can see that they're burdened with the cares of this life, that we can show forth the power of the risen Savior who lives in us. When it was all over, they returned to their work. I like that. Sometimes we have those people have those visitations and they never get back to their work. But they, the Bible says they returned to their fields and they returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had seen because the glorious Advent message of the birth of the Savior was there. I, I'm sure they understood once they saw him. Once they saw him and everything around him, if there was a donkey there, if there was sheep there, if there was cow, everything around him said, he is the Lord. He'll be our Savior. He'll be our burden bearer. He is the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. He is the lamb of God. That's why the shepherds came. That's why he called the shepherds because he is the good shepherd you know that pastors don't want to be called the shepherd today Uh, an individual was telling me that they asked their pastor their they you know their shepherd if he would visit their loved one who was dying and the shepherd said well we don't we don't do that today that's not what shepherds do today that's not what pastors do today well we're not pastors we're shepherds and we care for our flocks sometimes it feels like 
the church should care for the shepherd. And it's good when you are kind and loving and everybody's good to me. But it is a responsibility of the shepherd to take care of the flock and to, to, to see the needs that are in the, the flock. And that's missing today because how could a pastor who has 5,000 shepherd his flock? He has under-shepherds, and and even then you don't have enough under-shepherds to shepherd 5,000. But God is gracious because he's calling people unto him. And I, I know that the 5,000 can, can receive Christ as much as 10. But I'm just saying that we have an obligation as shepherds to have a responsibility for the flock because Christ cares for us and he was responsible for us and he went to the cross because the father asked him to. So we as the sheep need to hear his voice and respond as the shepherds did. So you know that years later there was a star, not at that time there was a star, but years later the kings came. We don't always talk about the kings at Advent because they didn't get there when the baby was a baby. But they did get there, and they did follow the Lord. And we will talk about that in Epiphany, because they bring a great revelation to the church. Because uh, at this point, it was only the Jews that saw the Christ. But when the kings come, they are the Gentiles that saw the Christ. So that's very important to see that. And they were nudged by a star. Can you even comprehend a star in the sky? And because they had read the prophecies and they were astute about the prophecies that were given, they followed the star. You know, it, it takes, it takes a, a strength and an energy to follow Christ. Some people think I got saved and everything is going to be good. When we get saved, it's then a journey. It's a journey to show forth the power of his grace and his mercy and to make it through the journey until we come to eternal life. So there's invitations. What I want to say to, to you today is that the invitations that was given, sure, it was supernatural angels, but the shepherds were people like you and I. They were just workers. They were just laborers. They were flesh and blood. Mary and Joseph, they were flesh and blood. The kings were flesh and blood. God still wants to work through flesh and blood to bring forth the power of his kingdom in the earth. So he's going to give us holy invitations in this coming year, and this is prophetic, and you can receive it or reject it, but he is going to give his church holy invitations in this coming year. There are going to be invitations to pray, invitations to study, invitations to witness, invitations to show forth his kindness, invitations to be charitable, invitations to be givers, uh, invitations to be filled with cheer and joy. He's going to give us that. And we're going to go through hard places. And when we go through hard places, we're going to rejoice. And then we're going to look at ourselves and say, "What, what am I rejoicing about? And then we are going to comprehend that it was an invitation to go through a trial or tribulation and to see the joy of the Lord at the end of it. So I believe this with all my heart. I believe that the Lord spoke that into my spirit that we are going to have, you know, I say invitation, but really that word is opportunity. We are going to have an opportunity 
to show forth him who lives in us. And God is going to bear down on us. You know, today we we come to church, we rejoice. Everyone here loves the Lord. We're all Christians. We're faithful. We're tithers. We do the right things. But God is going to bear down on us to reach beyond the church, beyond our duties, beyond the giving in our church. He's going to to cause his spirit to, to, to speak to us if we will have if we will have a heart to listen, he will begin to speak to us and he will give us opportunities to speak his power and his praise. I, I, I just believe that with all of my heart. I felt the spirit of the Lord when he said that to me. Consider Christ. I'm going to close with this today, but it's going to take a minute. Christ received the opportunity to become our Savior. You know, and when God said, I want you, son, to leave the royalties of heaven, Jesus knew nothing about earthly life. He'd never lived here. And God asked him to give up something special, to give up his riches, to give up his glory, to give up his seat, at the right hand of the Father. Can he do any less for us? He's going to ask us to do things that that are going to challenge us. And there's going to be opportunities to share Christ. Small ways. People think, well, I just made a phone call. I just prayed a prayer. No, no. Those are all important things that God is going to give us opportunities today. He wants us to be alert to say, God, I'm willing to rise up in the morning and say, I, if, if you give me an opportunity today, bat me upside the head and let me know that you're giving me that inv- opportunity and let me respond to it. Yes. Stripped of the glorious royalty of heaven, he came through the birth channels to become our Savior. And what was his destination? The cross. What was his destination? Was he mocked? Was he scoffed? Many times he had to just, God had to just lift him out of the crowd because they hated him. Not the crowd that got the bread, you know, not the crowd that got, got healed, but the, but the very crowd that should have received him and ministered the power of the Messiah in that day. The Pharisees, the, Adduc- the Adducees, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they were Adducees too. But the very ones that had that opportunity to minister the power of what was happening, they mocked him and they scoffed him. But the prophets maintained and they they foretold his birth, the place of his birth, that he would rule. They told us everything in the Old Testament, every single thing. They told us what would happen. And the New Testament is the fulfillment of everything so in this hour today when there's lots of conflict lots of concern lots of things just understand that the government is upon his shoulder he performed the father's will he's back at the right hand of the father waiting to come for us isn't that glorious now the bible says that john saw this in the revelation revelation 11 says the seventh angel sounded And the great voices of heaven said, The kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord. 
and he shall reign forever and ever. The four and twenty elders that sat on their seats before God fell off of their seats, fell on their faces, and began to glorify God. This is our hour, church. You know, this is an hour that the enemy has bound the saints of God. And in that moment, we have to recognize that Emmanuel is in us and we need to rise to the occasion, the opportunities to profess Christ. The simplest thing, when they say happy holiday, you say, oh, yes, our Savior was born. You know, the simplest thing is all it takes to glorify God. The kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of Christ. This is the word of God. God continues to offer holy invitations. And he wants us to say, here am I, Lord. Use me. Send me, use me, whatever it is. Make me available to you as Mary was. Make me available to you as Joseph was. Make me available to you as Christ was when he gave his life for us. The gift of salvation is our invitation. You know, the invitation says, come. Come all ye, you know, that will come. It says, we are all sinners saved by grace. So come. And when we respond and come, the gift of salvation becomes a holy invitation. It becomes a holy opportunity to do something for the kingdom of God. I realize I'm I realize I'm talking to the church today. I realize I'm talking to people that love God and people that already are doing things for God. But church, listen, it's going to intensify because the works of darkness is intensifying. And God's power and his grace and his breath that she sang upon sang about today is going to breathe on the church of Jesus Christ afresh. In some places I see the church as Lazarus. We need the the Spirit of God to speak to us and to bring us out of grave clothes that we might glorify God and be a witness in the earth in this last day. So that's my message today. We all have big invitations because when we come to Christ, we have that opportunity to share who he is that lives in us. He is Emmanuel. Father, we thank you for sending Jesus. Jesus, we thank you for dying for us. And we thank you, Lord, that you have extended your hand that we might have salvation and eternal life. We ask, O God, that we will see the opportunities, that we will seize them, and that you will use us in these last hours for the power of your glory, O God. We need an outpouring of the strength and the power of your Holy Ghost to to invigorate us, O God, to, to cause there to be a fresh anointing of Emmanuel, God, in us. Stir our hearts, I pray, O God. Cause us to be joyous because you have come to be our Savior. We give you thanks. In Jesus' name, we ask that you would.